to the board game community show. I'm your host, Riley Starr. Join me as I get to know folks in this community. They could be designers or streamers, podcasters, YouTubers, publishers, whatever. Really anything with the nerve at the end of its title is welcome here on the board game community show. Show. Welcome back to the Board Game Community Show. Uh, it's been a while. It's been a while since I've been on here. The last two weeks, I have been sick, and so I took them off. That's the first time I've, well, I guess two times now that I've missed episodes after 88 consecutive weeks, or 88 consecutive episodes, whatever. Uh, and wow, it was weird not to record it. It felt kind of nice because I was sick and recovering, and and I almost did like a lazy episode where I was just like, uh, hi, it's me. I'm just going to talk about what games I'm playing. But my voice was so bad and I could not stop coughing. Um, there's like a really bad cold going around around here. And like people were telling me I took my first sick day in 25 years. And anyway, ramble, ramble, enough about me. Let's get to my guest. Today, we've got a very short notice guest, which I was really excited about because tomorrow this will come out. Uh, Thatcher from Dark Doll Games. How are you? I am good. I uh, thank you for having me on. I'm I'm glad I was able to make it work in the short notice. So me too. Uh, I look forward to it. I was. It's really not. You know, I was like, oh, I don't want to take a third week off, and so I I reached out to you and uh, Phil from Organized Fund. He just did an episode with you, and I just yep. finished listening to it and i was like holy cow this those are so many good questions so after you listen to this please finish listening to this before you go over to phil's much superior uh question <laughs> asking and <laughs> yeah format. Phil's great yeah it was uh, phil is great it was, it was a fun fun interview to do so and you could legit because he actually played the game and yes yeah he did he was you could hear like the excitement in his voice. He was so happy with what he had played. And that gets me genuinely excited because you could hear just that. It, like he yeah, loves this same, idea. Yeah, same, same here for me, as you can imagine, it's uh, I could hear it in his voice, which was just, it made it um, that much more enjoyable to talk about it. So, um, but yeah, he really enjoyed the game. Uh, and uh, yeah, as you said, you can hear that reflected in his his uh, his questions and his his voice. So yeah, great. well, before we jump into which bound is the name of the game, but we'll get to that later. Before we jump into that, let's talk about first, how did you get into board gaming? Um, it's hazy because it was a long time ago, uh, but <laughs> I'm going to say what really sparked me uh, getting into the hobby uh, passionately was Finding, I went into Books a Million, I think, when I was maybe 12 or something. Um, I can't even remember how old I was. But I went into a Books a Million, and I was looking at their uh, comic books, and the game shelves happened to be nearby. And I remember seeing uh, a World of Warcraft board game. And I didn't know that existed. I didn't. Uh, I was kind of into World of Warcraft at the time. Uh, so I went over. I saw it. It was on sale, uh, massively on sale. So I picked it up. 
took it home and I opened up this box and it was my first time ever experiencing like a real board game components and, and minis and all this stuff. And I was just blown away. And so I, I started playing with it. I got my brother to join in and one of his friends and I had so much fun, but right away I started getting ideas for maybe things I could add to the game, my own little characters from my experience playing the computer game and stuff. And so I had fun kind of making little add-ons and, and scenarios for it. Um, and then that was just a, a rabbit hole. I started looking for more games to play. I started uh, finding out if any of my friends were into board games. And um, I was also starting to play Dungeons and Dragons around that time. And, uh, and then every time I played a game, my mind immediately went to how can I add my own stuff to this game? How can I, um, and, and of course, it's, that's, uh, as I said, that's a rabbit hole. Because once you start creating your own stuff, it's just, it, you know, in, and then you let someone play it and they think it's fun. Well, that's just intoxicating. <laughs> so <laughs> it, uh, it, it sparks more of that creativity. So, yeah. Oh, that absolutely makes sense. And I, I love that. I think that's such a fun way to get into design. You you answered the next question there. That I assume that's right into how you got into design was just like playing other games and being, ooh, how can I add my own element to this? Ooh, what can I do to make this more interesting? Yeah, yeah. Sorry for answering both questions at once. They no, were, no, you're good. They were so interconnected that it's hard to answer one without the other because I, I genuinely got into board gaming um, being fascinated with what board games were able to accomplish beyond, you know, the classic Monopoly and Clue and stuff, which are, you know, whatever. But, but knowing that there were games out there that could do way more than that, provide a truly different experience, I was the challenge of, of seeing how could I recreate that experience or create my own experiences with my friends and, and stuff like that. So they were just so interconnected. And ever since then, I've done both. Every time I've got a new game, I've played it. And I've been inspired to, um, it always inspires a new idea. So, um, yeah, that's, that's just how that came about. I love that. When I was a kid, I remember playing Zelda on the, uh, I did it on the NES, but also the SNES is the, a link to the past, right? That was like yep. my favorite game. I ended oh, up yeah. making <laughs> like a paper version of it which was my first time like really designing anything right like I was essentially just making my own puzzles and run my brothers through it but looking at we're just I'm going to transition that right into Witchbound but as because as I look at Witchbound it takes me back to a link to the past and way prettier mind you but (laughs) it's almost like you know how when you see like concept art for like old video games or the box cover art would be like a really pretty uh, picture and then you'd play the game and it would be like, you know, <laughs> pixelated mess. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, I remember. I know exactly so what you're talking about. This looks like what the concept art would be for like a link to the past or, or other Zelda games or like two, you know, those kind of uh, games from back then. And I, I think the artwork is really, really pretty. Do you do the artwork, right? I do. I do. And thank you for saying that. Um, but yeah, I, I do the artwork. Um, <laughs> And the fact that you brought up A Link to the Past or even Zelda in general is just perfect because the fact that you picked up on that, it means I did exactly what I wanted to do because Zelda is easily the biggest inspiration for Witchbound. And I don't hide it. Um, I wear that proudly with the game. So (laughs) a lot of influences trickled in there. Yeah, and that makes perfect sense. Like 
looking at it, looking through the different maps, I'm just like, this is so cool. This is <laughs> this takes me <laughs> back, but like modernizes it. And uh, and the theme seems really fun. You know, it's a, it's definitely a different theme. I, I mean, why don't you go ahead and introduce Witchbound? Tell tell everybody what it is. Yeah. Uh, so Witchbound, it, it is a different theme than the Zelda series. Uh, it does focus on a little bit more around the magic side of of being um, on an adventure. So Witchbound is it's a story focused game in that every time you do something in the world or interact with uh, the game, you're going to be led to some sort of narrative. Um, and it follows like an overarching story, a sort of linear story, but uh, it really does capture that open world feel uh, because you're exploring this, this world full of details and points of interest and characters. And then as you explore and interact with them, uh, like I said, it leads to different narrative paths that you, that provides sort of puzzles, uh, a lot of quests. You get to go on uh, side quests or find hidden things, and it's it's hard to uh, <laughs> to put into uh, fewer words. But it's it's just this big open world adventure where you are really given freedom to interact with the world how you want to. Um, and there's a cool there's some really cool systems in there that allow you to actually talk to npcs in the game and get different uh dialogue reactions based on how you interact with them and, and the game really does deep dive into uh to player choice a lot more so than other games I've, I've tried to get this experience from and that was my goal with it so um adventure is uh exploration um and adventure is the number one priority but the overall objective of the game is to tell a story so yeah and I think that sounds really, really interesting. But I think where you kind because I think as people listen to you describe that, they're almost picturing a legacy style game, which I think yep. in a sense it is, right? Uh, but, it, but it veers yeah. different from what you would think of a, for a legacy game. Yeah, so I, I purposely did avoid making it a true legacy game. There is actually no permanent alteration in the game. So to go into a little bit more how the game works, uh, these scenes that you're talking about, you're going to be exploring all the different scenes of the world, just one scene at a time. Uh, they cover overworld areas like forests and, and swamps and, and all that. Um, and, but you get to go inside buildings, inside people's houses. Uh, you can go in underground into caves and find dungeons. All these scenes that you're exploring that you've seen me post art for, they're full of numbers. And so all you're going to be doing is interacting with those numbers using the things that you collect on your adventure. So you'll collect items. Uh, it is witch focused. So of course you learn spells. Um, you get to craft potions and all that. And all these things that you collect on your adventure have their own numbers. And it's, it's a very simple system of combining those two together. So if you see something in the world you want to interact with, uh, then you, Let's say, for example, um, a door. There's a door in the scene and it has a number on it. Well, you want to just open the door. So you just um, use uh, your basic interaction using your, you know, your hand or something. But if you wanted to have fun with it and try and throw something at the door, if you had an item in your inventory, um, you could combine those two numbers. And so when you combine those two numbers, it leads to a narrative entry in the book. Um, there's no permanent alteration it, you just read the result of what happened with that interaction. Um, and then it, it basically gives you, uh, it said it sets you on a path of, of how to interact differently or. Sorry, uh, some audio. 
problems, technical difficulties. Uh, I think it cut out somewhere around, you were talking about how you can use different actions and then you just add those numbers to the action and then you get a different uh, reaction essentially, right? To, and it'll take you down a different narrative path. Yeah, it's all about the different types of interactions in the game. Um, the things you collect in your adventure will are all usable in different ways. So when you're exploring this world and uh, wanting to interact with the things within it, you you make the choice how you'll interact, what item you'll use, what spell you'll use, um, what you'll say to certain NPCs. And then, again, it leads you to a narrative entry, like a, a result in the book, and then it sets you on a path uh, to solve a quest maybe or find some sort of secret. And, but it's not done permanently. It's just... Um, there's no permanent alteration, no stickers or anything like that. So, yeah. Is there a way that you track what you've done? Yeah. So as you gain the quests, there's main quests that follow the, the main story arc. Um, you'll actually gain those quests and you'll write those, the quest titles onto your character sheets. Um, and then as you complete those, you'll check them off and it works the same for side quests. As you gain side quests, You'll, you'll write in the name of the side quests, and then when you complete them, you'll check them off. And the reason you do that is because the game checks for those things. So later on, you might an event might happen, or you might interact with a new character that when you do the initial interaction, it might ask if you've done something prior. So the game, when an event happens, the game might ask if you've had a prior interaction by checking if you've completed this quest or if you have this item uh, in your inventory. And so when you um if you have that item or if you've done that quest it might send you down a different path so the world does change very much based on what you've done uh, and the choices you've made by simply asking those questions so you do track it you do have a character sheet where you track these things you'll mark off um days as you uh, sleep in the game you'll you'll track the progression of time and so the game might ask what the time is and you might lose a quest because of it, or you might uh, a new thing might be available because of what time frame it is. And so the game has a lot of, uh, it can change a lot based on your uh, choices, but without doing it permanently. So the game is replayable easily, or you can, you know, just try something different without having to worry about <laughs> undoing things. Yeah, that's really fascinating. I, I can't help but draw similarities to sleeping gods have you played sleeping gods i have it's one of my favorites <laughs> oh yeah it's so good but i think what's different and what's sounding different to me and unique here is that you know in sleeping gods yeah you can go and you can do quests and sometimes you'll get an item and something might check later like oh do you have this egg or whatever you know and and then and then you have different options available but i really am liking the sound of like you know, going up to number 50 and then being like, oh, you know what? I'm going to use this spell and that will add 15 to it. So now instead of 50, it's 65 or I could throw a rock at it. And now it's, you know, 58, whatever. It doesn't, <laughs> right? Like it's sort of yeah. that sort of thing giving you. Yeah, like, exactly. Um, now the numbers actually don't add. They just combine. So, uh, oh, okay. the only I, well, the only reason I mentioned that is because I don't want people to be scared away from a bunch of math. There actually is no. Uh, there's no math, and that was intentional part of the design. It's I want it to be as intuitive and simple as possible. So when you're combining numbers, like your example, if you go up to a, something in a scene that has a number 50 and you want to um, 
you know, shoot your, uh, use your slingshot and shoot a pebble at it, uh, your, your pebble might have a number three. And so you're actually going to combine the two. So it'd be 350. And then you'd look up the story entry for 350. It would tell you the result of what happened from that interaction. And then oh. you can choose from there. Okay. Well, the, the, it might say the pebble bounces harmlessly off the object and that's it. Well, that leaves you, you know, questioning, well, what do I do next? Let me try something else. And then you try a spell that has a different number and you combine those and you look up the story entry and it worked. It, uh, it you know, did what you were hoping it would do. Um, and then Sleeping Gods is a great example. It's, it's by far one of my favorite kind of narrative focus games. And what Witchbound does differently, and I'm not trying to uh, try to say it's different in a good way or anything, but it's one thing that I wanted to capture with Witchbound that I feel like I've never really got to do um, in other narrative-driven games is a lot of those narrative-driven games, when you read the bits of story, a lot of times the story will tell you the choice you made or multiple choices you made. Like a small example, if you in the scene, you or in like in a, if you're looking at this overworld map and you see a little village like in Sleeping Gods and you decide, okay, I'm going to go to this village. Well, yes, you made the decision to go to the village. But then from there, the narrative will tell you you spoke to the village chief. You got into a bar fight or you did this and then here's what happens. How do you want to proceed? Which is fun and I like that. But what I wanted was a little bit more direct uh, control over what happens in the story. So with Witchbound, it will, the narrative will never tell you you did something that you didn't choose to do. So in the, that's the reason the maps are so zoomed in and focused because instead of just seeing a village, you actually are in the village. You see the individual buildings, you see the individual characters. So you could go up to the village chief and you could intentionally have an interaction with the chief and you even get to choose the phrase or the topic that you discuss with him. That's how uh, in-depth it is. So when you read the entry, uh, it will say, it will, it will go into the dialogue between uh, you and the chief, but it's because you chose to talk to the chief, uh, which you could avoid. You could say, I don't want to, and you could go to the tavern, and you could uh, go inside the tavern, you turn to that scene, and Maybe there's another character inside the tavern you want to interact with, which ultimately might lead to that, you know, bar fight. I don't know. But that's what I wanted with Witchbound was a much more uh, player-focused narrative in that everything that happens is a direct result of the choices you make. Yeah, I think that's fascinating and, and so many clever ways to do it. I love seeing that. It's That's one of the funnest parts of designing, right, is seeing a problem, figuring out how do you solve problem and that's just mind-boggling yes absolutely my so, favorite part too yeah <laughs> with the map with your uh scenes that's what you call them right yeah scenes yep. so with the scenes uh do they you don't actually have like a player pawn that you move around or anything right i don't you know the game doesn't need one or it doesn't include right. one uh, well, not yet. I, I do have, I do kind of have plans for it to be an optional thing where players, if they wanted to, they could have a little image of, uh, of the character. But no, it's not required. Once you turn to that scene, you are in that scene, so you can kind of freely interact with whatever's there in front of you. Yeah, and that makes perfect sense. I didn't think it did. Uh, wh what are the components? I, 
curious what what all is in there. So the there are two primary components is of course the scene book, um, and then there's the storybook, and the two work of course hand in hand together. The other components are you have a character sheet which you do write, you do track your your health and and your some of your other stuff. Uh, that's where you track your inventory, uh, your items, and all that. And you you do write these things onto your character sheet as the story tells you you gain them. But the other, and so the only other components, there's a few dice. There are some, there's a little bit of dice rolling, but it's it's uh, it's not as common. Um, and then there's a car, there's a few there's a stack of cards that represent the various encounters, uh, different creatures and environmental hazards and different situations you can end up with within these various scenes some scenes have specific encounters and so there's a deck of cards where you'll find the the matching encounter place the card on the scene and you kind of have to deal with that encounter before you're able to interact within the scene um and then that's i mean that's pretty much it for components there is a there's a map there's a, a print of, like a an actual physical map where it has spaces for you to enter in the scenes that you've discovered because this is truly an exploration game so as you move from one scene to another, you'll, you'll be discovering these scenes one at a time. And so the map allows you to enter in the scenes that you've discovered. And there's kind of a built-in fast travel system. You're a witch, so you naturally have a broom. <laughs> uh, so you get to fly around between these scenes that you discovered so you're not just literally flipping through, backtracking through all the different pages and all that. So Yeah, that makes perfect sense. It's I, a, I like yeah, that. Yeah, component component light game in terms of quantity but the books are massive so and i was gonna say do you know how many either well hmm how many scenes do you have and then how many do you know how many uh, like uh interactions you have i guess how many like narrative oh, <laughs> bits okay so scenes is a is an easier one to i do have around i think it's 48 scenes already planned um and that includes overworld scenes. There's like five different biomes on this in this one kind of world that you're exploring. It's actually just an island. Um, so there's there's about 48, but I planned on doing a total of 60. So there'd be 60 scenes, uh, including inside, outside, underground, secret areas, and all that. Uh, and then in terms of interactions, I don't know how to well i guess i could probably calculate how many interactions there would be because i use like spreadsheets to to line all these things up but the story books so far is i'm guessing around 200 pages with a little bit of wiggle room um and a lot of it's a lot of words because a lot of the interactions are small so you might go up to a door and interact with it just simply trying to open it well the the story entry for that is going to be very simple like the door doesn't open or the door opens and it leads you to a new scene. So they're not, a lot of the entries aren't massive chunks of narrative. Um, right. So there are a ton of them. So uh, yeah. I can tell you page wise, but not. Okay. I was going to say, how about page wise then? Yeah. So about 200 pages is what I'm uh, predicting. Uh, so far, the majority of the content is fit within 200 pages. It might go a little over that. Um uh, depending on how much more content I, I work on throughout the campaign and stuff like that. But yeah, about 200 pages is, is the projected amounts from what I've created so far. Nice. Is So I saw on your Twitter, you had kind of an opening scene in a comic book style. <laughs> uh, are, is that something you're doing with this or? 
Yeah, so yeah, that was uh I'm just calling them cutscenes. So just like, you know, Zelda, classic Zelda games and all that, whenever an important moment happens, they do sort of a cool cutscene. And I wanted to kind of capture that uh, a little bit and give kind of uh, give players kind of a break from all the reading uh or hyper focusing on the map. So yeah, every uh, the intro has its own cutscene which is like a full page comic. Um and then there are other pages that like major events story beats that happen that have their own comic style cutscenes. um so not a ton of hmm. them but they do happen at the major you said plot points in the in the story that's really cool i i think i'm just now realizing too okay yes this sort of sounds like a choose your own adventure but there is more to it than that there's like puzzles and stuff to it right like oh yeah there's things yeah, you no. need to figure out it's not like just a <laughs> that's, straightforward that's the- do this that no, you're right. It, there's, that's the focus uh, of the game is sort of the puzzles. So uh, Phil had a lot of fun with it when he was playing because, uh, like he said, that you kind of get this smugness because there's a lot of puzzly uh, narratives to figure out. So you talk to this, unlike a choose your own adventure, the path isn't, um, it doesn't just lead from point A to point B. It's, it's a lot more open-ended. So if you interact with this character and that character doesn't give you very much information uh you're left with either moving on um or trying to come up with another way to interact with them and so choose your own adventure is a little bit more like hey here's what's in front of you do you choose a or b this is more like here's what's in front of you do what you want (laughs) and then follow the trail that comes from that interaction and then you can it changes all the while so some of the quests have multi-steps. Um, one of Phil's favorite was, I think he had mentioned in the podcast, interacting with this little girl who's sad. She won't talk to you. Um, and she won't talk to you no matter what you do, no matter what prompt you try to use, no matter uh, until you come up with the right item to present to her. She'll finally kind of pay a little bit of attention. And then from there, you're left to figure out, okay, so I found out who she was. I found out why she's sad. But then you, you're given a side quest of, of trying to uh, fix it, how to make her happy again. And it's open-ended. That's all it tells you is figure out a way to make this character happy. And so then it's up to you to go about exploring the world. Um, you know, a choose-your-own-adventure kind of force you to stay on that path. But you're free to just leave it be. You could, you could walk away from that quest and, until something clicks in your head. Uh, or you could come back to it right away with a different attempt and try and interact with something else until you, till you figure it out. And then the game will reward you once you do by not only completing the quest, but like, you know, a good old video game, it'll give you some sort of reward money or something. So yeah, it's very more, or sorry, it's much more, <laughs> uh, open-ended instead of just like a web of, of narrative. Yeah. Yeah. That's really fascinating. I I love that. It sounds like it's a truly cool experience uh, to be able to go through this. Do you have like um, an ETA on hours? Like how many hours it would take to complete? Maybe even just like the main stuff without side quests. Uh, yeah. So the main content, uh, as far as my own playthrough, and I've only tested the full content with, uh, with a few people just because it's such a spoilerable thing. Right. Um, but I'm aiming for around 30 hours for the main story. Oh, wow. And, okay. and then, of course, there's so much more beyond that, the side quests and then 
there's a lot of cool things in there with just optional exploration. There's secret scenes. So if you if you beat the main story and you're flipping through this scene book and you might see a dozen scenes that you never encountered on your playthrough. And so you're obviously going to wonder how you did it. So you could go back and try and maybe that door that led you to scene A works how you thought it was supposed to. But just out of curiosity, you try something else. And all of a sudden, that same door leads you to somewhere else. It was a, you know. Um, and so there's going to be, I can't even, to be honest, I can't tell you an hour count for how much to discover all the content. Because when I've been testing the game with you, I've played with a lot of people. And uh, just the demo alone was only meant to be about two hours uh, worth of content. <laughs> but you can ask uh, Phil or actually the majority of people that have played, they've played it for hours because it depends on how you play. If you're the meticulous person that wants to discover everything and wants to find out how you can interact with everything, it might take you an hour to complete one simple quest that I thought would take 10 minutes. Right. So um, <laughs> it's hard to predict how much, how long to discover all the content, but in short, the the main story, my goal was about 30 hours. So that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think that's that's perfect. That's why I was asking main story because side stuff, right? Some people are there's going to be things you just don't find. There's going to be yep. different interactions, different quests that come up. And uh, there's certain people who may be like, well, that that quest doesn't interest me. So I won't do that one, you know? And yeah, oh, absolutely. It's that very video gamey feel of of do what you want. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, know, so. you could Skyrim it. I don't, I have never beaten Skyrim, but I have definitely put hundreds of hours into that game. <laughs> <laughs> Same here. I, and that's exactly why this, like the game is so accommodating because I test played with people like that, that they, after four hours, they hadn't even completed the very first story objective. <laughs> they just got <laughs> sucked into side quest or the little fun interaction but then people like phil he blasted through the main story that i had provided in a demo in a very quick amount of time and then he was left with okay well i'll try and mess around with this this that and so it, it really does accommodate all those different types of of players and that's my favorite part to see to be honest yeah yeah that makes perfect sense um, well, is there anything else you want to share? I mean, I guess dates or, uh, but any other details too, before we go into when this is launching and, and all that. Um, geez, I don't, uh, well, to be honest, the, the game, it's hard to explain to people. And I wish I could spend the time to talk to everyone that's curious about it, because I think it's hard on my end to, to really get across what this game is. Cause I don't have a ton to compare it to. Um, but if I did want to mention something is that this game is not, uh, it's not a true, uh, open world, like, uh, or, or like, sorry, uh, RPG, like Dungeons and Dragons. There's no dungeon master. This is a, is designed to be a solo experience. Uh, and so I've promoted it as such, but I really want people to understand it's a great team experience. Uh, I played this game with my own kids and I've, uh, had testing done. I've played, I've tested the game with groups of people. And while it is primarily a solo experience, it works wonderfully as a team because you can have one person kind of focused on the map, exploring the different things. And then the other person can kind of take over the storybook and read the entries. But it's, it's a great um, experience to work together with someone and, and help solve these puzzles and all that. I just, I don't openly promote it as a multiplayer game because I didn't want to be misleading. There is only, 
one main character that you play is uh, play as, and um, but it really is uh, a good team experience. So that'd be the last little snippet I wanted to mention. Well, that's really good though, uh, and important. I I thought about that, and I thought, oh, you know, I, it seems obviously a single player type thing, but yeah, of course you can. Like I've been playing a couple solo games lately, uh, and it's easy for my wife to just jump in and be like, Oh, Hey, yep. help me out with this. So oh, help me with this puzzle or, um, you know, just jump in and take a look. So I think that, I think these kinds of experiences, it, it would be like so often in my youth, Zelda specifically, I had two <laughs> brothers around my age and we just sat around and you would just watch each other play, you know, or, or be like, yeah, Oh, Hey, yeah. go check. What's that? Oh, break that Ex- jar, you know, whatever. <laughs> oh yeah. That, yeah. Jar breaking. I, I'll, uh, I guess I'd be reminisced to admit that there is some jar breaking in Witchbound. I had to include it. Yeah. So you, you do have a slingshot which shoots pebbles, and I'd be I'd be crazy not to allow you to to break a few pots around around town with that slingshot. So perfect. Spoiler there, but good. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad. I, too. <laughs> it sounded like uh, in Phil's interview. Go listen to Phil's interview too, because they go way more in depth. Because Phil had played the game and everything, and. And uh, so had a lot more like kind of specific questions, I think, and ideas of how everything worked. But uh, it sounded like you have a couple of like Zelda-esque references throughout. Yes. Yep. I I said I wear it proudly. Um, It is a whole different theme, of course, the witch theme. uh, And uh, I did try to build a really unique world. And uh, but yeah, there there's some influences, things that I remember from my experience playing the Zelda games that I enjoyed so much that I wanted to capture. And so I, I did try to include those types of moments and, and interactions and stuff. So. Perfect. Well, uh, then when, when's it hitting the game found it's game found, right? Game found. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the schedule it's up on game found for preview right now, the preview page. Uh, the planned launch date is late January. I believe the 24th is the think it's that to the one of the last Tuesdays of the month that's the plan right now and I'm so far on track to go with that um it would I don't foresee any reason to push that back uh, I guess it just depends on making sure all the the ducks are in a row but yeah so uh late January is the planned launch date um and we would plan to deliver the you know the following year so nice perfect yeah uh is this is this your first like full design that you're putting out there to the world? Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, this nice. is the first game I'm attempting to uh, publish, self publish, and um, of course, I went with the biggest game I could ever design. <laughs> so we'll see how that pans out. But I'm doing the writing and the art, and I do have help. Uh, I've had some outside people help me do some writing and content design and everything. But um, doing doing the design myself and the art and everything gives me a little bit more control over, you know, seeing things through and stuff like that. So. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. If I was an artist, Oh, I would be so happy with myself (laughs) because I could make my own games, you know, like that. That's where I always run into things where it's like I hand draw some stick figure and it's like, okay, this represents this person. (laughs) Hey, hey, Sometimes (laughs) stick figures work. I mean, I, I definitely can't say that the game has always had, you know, quality art to work with. So oh, I, for sure. I've done my fair share of really rough sketches to make it, you know, progress. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
that's just part of design. You know, yeah. you always yeah. start with, I was literally, while I was waiting for you, I was throwing together a design and just writing it on a white piece of paper sloppily and just giving very, <laughs> you know, circle, square, triangle icons on it to represent different things. It's like, this works for now. You it know? works. Yeah. <laughs> if it works, it works. I've, I have for sure done my own fair share. And I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it works. So, <laughs> um, what are some other design? Are there other designs you have like, uh, aspirations to get out there? Not that you yeah, need I to do. Necessarily <laughs> no, share I do. I have, okay. Of course I do. Um, I have a much bigger story plan for Witchbound, of course. Uh, but I'll start with Witchbound. I'll just leave it at that for now. But in terms of other <laughs> designs, I do have, uh, I have a card game. It's actually a deck builder that I have been working on almost as long as Witchbound. Uh, it's called Dungeons and Detentions. Um, very simple little deck builder that I, it's funny because I've gone the opposite route of main designers. I designed the game. I got the mechanics working. I've test played it. And then I did some, I did a bunch of art and I really like the art, but I, it just sits there. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't actually gone anywhere with it because my focus switched over to Witchbound. Um, and so the game looks good and it plays good. It's just, just kind of sitting there. I haven't taken the next step on it because like I said, I don't, I guess I don't divide my attention well. So, um, yeah. yeah. And then, so that's the other game. That's the only other game I'm, I currently would consider a game. <laughs> nice. So, I mean, I think that's good though. You have to be able to put your focus somewhere. And then I find when I get stuck on a design, I'll go and I'll work on something else until my mind clears enough that I can come back at the problem fresh. Yes. Yeah. That's exactly what that game has become is, is my little, <laughs> my little break. Where if, yeah. uh, if I'm tired of drawing those scenes or something or writing, I'll just I'll go back and make a few cards for that game and test it out and have fun with it. And then just, you know, put it back on the shelf and dive back in with with clear eyes. So perfect. Yeah, that's that's how you got to do it. I, yeah. I don't most designers I talk to have that same type of thing. It's just like you need that you need that break game. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so. Let's go outside of board games, get to know Thatcher uh, beyond the, the board games. And it sounds like, okay, are you a GM? I have in the past, but I don't consider myself one enough, like not good enough to call myself one. I prefer to play <laughs> than okay. to, uh, so. That is interesting because I definitely would have, you know, you're writing this huge story <laughs> with Witchbound, and I was like, you've got to be like uh, an idea person of like, oh yeah, here's an idea for a plot. I want to run some players through it. No, you, you're you a player. That's that's well, really cool. <laughs> I guess that's, that's that's definitely a fair assumption, and I would love to, to GM more. I suppose with Witchbound, what it allows me to do is be a GM behind the scenes before the players get there. <laughs> so yeah. it's, it's not so much improv and making up on the fly. I get time to really think about things and, and change my mind and and all that. And I do love, uh, I do, I, the few experiences I've had being a GM, I did love it, but I enjoy, and that's kind of what Witchbound does. It would allow a GM, if they wanted a break from being one, they could jump in and actually play a game uh, as a player and have the game itself be the kind of, because that's what Witchbound is. It's like a pre scripted, you know, RPG. Yeah. Uh, and so it, that's kind of how I envisioned it was it's, if you want to be a GM, um, but so you can jump into this pre-built world and kind of play around some, and then take your you know mind off of improv and all that stuff. So <laughs> that's yeah, 
that's perfect. It's uh, so player wise, what games do you play? What uh, yeah, role playing games do you play? I mean, I play. I, I'm in a game right now of D and D with uh, my brother and some of his friends. I've played quite a bit of Pathfinder and the Pathfinder. Um, but those are the two main systems. I do play a lot of smaller, like zine style RPG. I have some journaling RPGs, um, cool. that I, that I like to play around with. And, and that's actually been kind of another break for me when working on Witchbound is to read other people's writing and, and stuff like that. So, but I don't play as much as I'd like. I, I spend so much <laughs> of my time just d- doing the design part that I don't get to play games as much as I, I'd like. And also doesn't help that as soon as i play a game maybe 20 minutes in i'm wanting to jump in and start designing something again so yeah <laughs> well i think especially reading other things or you know consuming any type of content when you have that design brain it's just like you watch futurama and you're like oh i want to design a game around this episode <laughs> you know that gives me oh, this goodness, idea yeah. you know like yeah netflix is dangerous you hop on netflix and watch one episode of a of a show and your brain starts buzzing. How can you turn it into a board game? Yeah, exactly. It's fun. It's like a fun puzzle for your brain, but at the same time, it's like, but shouldn't I just enjoy this content that I'm watching? (laughs) Like maybe I should actually slow down. I don't. Yeah. My, my biggest, now I don't want to call it a regret. That's not the right thing to say, but I should consider regret is getting a switch, a Nintendo switch. And, um, uh, when I got breath of the wild, (laughs) it was, I did enjoy it the same way everyone else did, and I played the crap out of it. But all it did was spark that that design creativity. And I keep my Switch right next to my computer as I'm working because I jump in Breath of the Wild. I play for five minutes. I'm taking screenshots of of different things in the world. I'm like, oh, yeah, I have to incorporate something like that. Or I, I do something in the game, and I'm like, oh, this is so great. I have to come up with something similar. And, and um and so I get to draw on those inspirations, those things I have fun with. And that's my favorite part of designing games, to be honest, is being able to take that creativity and figure out how to how to work it into an experience. Yeah, that that makes perfect sense. And that's cool because, yeah, you need that little break. But it's also that is a lot of your inspiration for Witchbound. So it, it just goes together. I always yep. love to joke about, you know, because um, I'm self-employed, so... Uh, I'm always looking at like, okay, what's a, what can I write off on my taxes? And (laughs) (laughs) part of like the podcast, right? It's like, well, if I make a little bit of money, uh, then I can write off like board games. If I talk about them on the podcast, like this counts as research for the podcast. Uh, (laughs) No, I know I I'm with you. I I'm with you. I, my switch was, was market research, you know, yeah. (laughs) um, every book I buy that has the word, witch in the title is an easy, uh, (laughs) easy, easy um you know write off and and i'm the same way so yeah you gotta be when you're self-employed you just like you look for every little break you can get yep <laughs> uh but i still haven't found quite how to get video games to be a write-off uh, but i've been <laughs> playing way more board games than video games anyway so yeah yeah same here <laughs> yeah although i don't know how it works because i just donate like i have ads on the podcast and so i donate all of the money I earn from ads to like LGBTQ stuff or to uh, yeah, suicide prevention stuff. So I don't know if, am I a nonprofit? Am I like, I don't, I honestly have no idea. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. You're but... barking. Out. I don't honestly, when it, I, I've learned the business side of things, I've been self-employed for a long time too. And so I know 
some, but I definitely am not going to try. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to, what the safe thing to say there. I, I, yeah, I, I'm with you there, though. It's always a way to look for a way to help yourself out, but also help the community. And if you can, you know, um, uh, figure that out, then let me know. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'd be curious as to to what I'm classified as too. So, yeah, I my father-in-law does my taxes so i just have to ask him questions but ah, nice i'm all that's always a really big conversation so usually i'm like ah like i don't want to talk about that today i don't want to dive into this too deep (laughs) got to be in the right headspace to jump into uh legality stuff exactly uh so anyway okay um Look at these side tracks. I love it. Um, I love side it. Yep. quests. We're going on side quests. Uh, what other things do you like to do? Sounds like video games, but what else do you got? What other hobbies? <laughs> I actually worked on a uh, horse riding. I love horseback riding. I oh. actually worked on a cattle ranch for many, many years. Um, and so I, my wife's uh, grandparents run a ranch uh, not too far from me. And so I worked for him for many years and I still like to go out there and I have a horse out there. <laughs> I go uh, riding. I still work occasionally for him when he needs an extra hand. Um, so that's a, a more interesting hobby, I suppose. I also do um, woodworking. I have, <laughs> I like to dabble in, in woodworking. I like to build some furniture and uh, mess around with making little gaming crafts and stuff like that. But I very lightly dabble in that one. Uh, uh, wow. So Mace, yeah, just yeah, I'm kind of all over the place. Uh, art, of course, I do a lot of art for myself. Just, just that never sees the light of day. Um, <laughs> and uh, but yeah, I, so I'm a little varied. I, I spend probably half as much time outside as I do in front of front of uh, my computer. So I consider that a good thing on <laughs> my end. Yeah, no, that's really cool. That I don't think I've had a. I'm pretty sure I've had woodworking and, but I horseback riding. I don't think I've had that as a, as a hobby yet on here. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it was a job for a long time. Um, But since it's not currently, uh, I can easily consider it a hobby because I still enjoy doing it. Um, Nice. I just have to, have to be careful because falling off a horse is a, is probably not a a very believable excuse. Uh, (laughs) Um not a good excuse for like delaying a project. So, so. <laughs> yeah. Which bound yeah. had to be pushed back because the, the designer fell off a horse. So that doesn't <laughs> sound too believable. And that is kind of a wild one, but I mean, Hey, it happens, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hope not. It has a few times, but nothing major. Hopefully it doesn't continue to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's wild. Oh, that's really cool. Um, I wish I knew more about horses to ask questions. Like, I mean, I could ask like, <laughs> what kind is it? And what's its name? You know, I don't know. Or uh, do you do like the jumps over hurdles and stuff? Oh, no. I don't know. Yeah, no, I definitely don't. Uh, my job was to basically chase around cows all day. It's a cattle ranch. Yeah. So I, when I go riding, I just like to ride. I just like to walk slowly around. The, the ranch is really beautiful. It's got some really neat um, areas to explore. Sometimes I even do that as a little bit of inspiration for, for my game, I look around, I walk around through like the wooded areas and remember, you know, or, or think of things that I could add into my scenes and stuff. But um, yeah, I, I yeah, that's cool. would probably start doing it less and less only because as I get older, it becomes a little bit more risky. So Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. <laughs> I've always been too scared to do it, honestly. I mean, I would love to someday, uh, but it's just, it's, 
it's a big horse, you know, like it is. It's a very yeah, it's it's <laughs> it was very intimidating when I first started. Actually, my wife's grandfather, I didn't even have much choice. I we were staying with him for a little bit and he um told me, Hey, we're gonna, you know, come out today and see how things are done. And so he said, Go ahead and climb on and said never rode a horse before oh, so, wow. but you know in the face of of your in-laws you can't exactly <laughs> you know back down so i did i hopped on i was scared to death uh, but i had a blast i fell off maybe two or three times but after that it was just pure fun and, and it was again a challenge i love a challenge so that's um, cool after about yeah after about a year i felt like i was pretty comfortable um being up that high and it's <laughs> like that yeah it's it's the concept is intimidating even today i walk up you still have to be careful and respectful and all that stuff because it's it's uh, it's definitely different. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Well, uh, let's go to ridiculous theme. So okay. ridiculous theme. We both come up with a different idea for a ridiculous theme for a board game. Doesn't have to be bad. Just kind of silly or fun theme. Uh, whatever it is. <laughs> OK. All right. Who goes first? Uh, do you have an idea? Uh, okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll go off of what I was just talking about. So, uh, let's say it's a, here's the pitch. It's a, um, it's a deck builder about being a cattle rancher and trying to run your ranch, but all the horses, um, are gone. Uh, some, there's a, I don't know, a horse shortage for some reason. And so you have to find different animals to ride. To, to work the cows and uh and so there's asymmetric player skills and player abilities about riding a donkey or riding a um i don't know riding a, another cow just i don't know i that's <laughs> that's it just just being a cattle rancher without horses wow yeah that's i think that's a pretty fun idea we you've removed uh, like one of the key parts of being a cattle rancher yeah, exactly. The challenge is how to do it without a horse. So you get maybe maybe one guy hops just on a, I don't know, a, I can't even right now. Maybe a llama. Maybe maybe there's <laughs> just other fun animals, a draft, just things to ride on, and then they have different uh, different special abilities or or downsides, like uh, <laughs> the draft always running into things, um, trees and stuff, or so the movements affected. I don't know this. This is probably one of the worst games in history, but it could be fun. <laughs> no, the no, no, no. could be entertaining. Um, ra- wrangling cows on the back of a, you know, a, a grizzly bear. So, yeah, I love that. See, you get ridiculous. You could eventually maybe you get like a unicorn, which is a horse with a horn. I don't know. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're, hey, maybe uh, maybe that has something to do with where the horses went. They all went somewhere to try and become unicorns. I don't know. There we go. Uh, yeah. You have to uncover. You have to run your ranch while also trying to uncover the where the horses disappeared. To. <laughs> so perfect. Yeah, that's a great. I think that was a great theme. That was very ridiculous and awesome. I would yes, play that yeah, game. I, yeah, you said ridiculous. I went for it. Yeah, mine was like, mine's really mundane. And I was literally just thinking like, you work at an electronics shop and you have to maintain and repair like old VCRs and like beta decks and like, like I don't hey, know. Hey, I mean, in terms of ridiculous, yeah, I, I, I it, especially because of the outdated technology that you mentioned there, uh, it would be, uh, it would be interesting to, to have sort of like puzzle elements of the game where you're trying to put together this outdated technology that you don't even understand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like 
oh, where am I supposed to get parts for this? Well, how, you know, I got to make these new connections to get this part for this VHS, you know, whatever. Uh, just get ridiculous. I think, That's... I think the best thing about that you could do at that game is the clientele. The people that come into a repair shop with a VCR in 2022, if it was said <laughs> modern times, you could really go wild with the clientele about That's who the true. heck is coming in the shop with, with looking for a... Uh, um, what's the original iPods <laughs> looking for, for repairs on, on a, you know, an eight track stereo or something or. Yeah. I think my mind, I don't know if you've ever watched cowboy bebop. Yes. Okay. There's like this episode where they have like face tape or something and they don't have a VC. Uh, I think it's a beta actually, uh, beta max. Is that what it's called? Anyway. Um, they don't have like the player for it. So they have to go like on a quest to go like <laughs> through some ruins and uh, you know, like they're going through these different dealers and stuff. And, and then they end up finally finding it, but it's like quite the <laughs> epic quest just to get this old technology that people don't have the parts for. Um, that would be fun. Yeah. So, maybe some time travel elements going on. Yeah. Like <laughs> jump. Oh, jump there you go. Time portals about trying to figure out which era to go back to, to get the, the parts for it and then encountering what the world is like back then. Yeah. Yeah. You could, Oh, that could just, it, you could just be like a repair shop period. And so people could bring in, that's it. You have these unique clients that come in they might bring in like a vase, a vase that's broken, you know, and you're like, oh, okay, like, well, let's do our research. What era yeah. should we go to? Maybe I can find like how they made this and how, what materials I would need to properly repair it. You know, like you could get <laughs> ridiculous going, with repairs. Yeah. My mind's going like D and D with like skill checks. So you make like a, a history role to find out if you recognize the symbols on the vase and yeah. then, and then it points to Egypt. You're like, okay, time to, time to, you know, use the time machine, travel back to Egypt and, uh, and try and find, you know, whatever you need to re replace it or, or find out the creator's name or, and then you could have clientele that show up from the future, you know, and, yeah. and they're like, Hey, uh, you were the only repair shop open. So can you fix this? That's, you know, <laughs> and then they just, they just leave. And then you're like, Holy crap. I didn't, you know, it's a flying, it's a jet pack. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> so you, know, you have to, you know, jump into the future and try and find parts for a jet pack or something. I don't know. That could be fun. I don't think it's ridiculous as you say. Yeah. Yeah. I've, it's a pretty weird theme. I love it. <laughs> so I, I, I'm going to say you're the winner. If it's not a contest, no, no, I, no. I don't. Yeah. I say you win. Yours is mine was so, so abstract. I don't think it could, uh, it could work, but no, it's okay. it could I work. I loved it. As you were saying it, I was like, yeah, like picturing a bear, you know, riding a polar bear and uh, wrangling some <laughs> cattle, you know, like I thought that was that really would be fun. funny. Yeah. Okay. If you get extreme <laughs> like that, where like maybe some of the animals are, are larger so you could ride an ostrich or something yeah. or, or or go crazy where like you said a unicorn if we're if we're introducing some little bit of the fantasy elements then maybe giant animals exist so i'm totally riding a penguin um <laughs> to run this cattle ramp so yeah you've got a dragon but now you have to stop it from eating, eating the cattle the, uh, and eating, the, and... eating the stock yeah and i mean with with cattle ranching you the bulls are, are a big part and the bulls are the most scary some of the most scary creatures that i've ever encountered so so you'd almost have like your your mount that you choose has to have like an intimidation factor oh yeah or some sort of stat that determines if it gets scared by the bulls or 
or something <laughs> like that. So again, ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous, but it could be fun. Yeah, I think that's great. Like uh, we came up with two solid themes here. Uh, <laughs> yours was now a lot more flushed into... out. Mine, we had to work, we had to chisel it away and, and find the uh, right well, uh, uh, part. Now it's time to, now the fun part. Now it's time to prototype. So. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I just came up, yeah, I have my, I have this prototype I'm working on right now. Maybe I, I but I don't have a theme. So maybe that'll be it. Who knows? Hey, hey, I've, I've done that. I've, I've made a prototype of a, of a component that I wanted to see made. And then I'm like, Oh, this is so cool. But then you have to try and paste the theme on. And, and yeah, it's, it's for me, it, I always tend to work the opposite way. I start with, with the theme and then try and plug in mechanisms to make it work. But yeah. both work, both, both methods work. For yeah. Sure. I'm usually a theme first person. Like I think this might be the first time that I had an idea for a mechanism and I was, I'm really, really excited about it, but it's like, okay, now how do I get it to work? And then later I'll put a theme on it. And it's really weird for me to like, look at this and just be like, okay, shapes. And <laughs> this is what they'll eventually equal. But I have no idea thematically what those shapes will actually represent. You know, like it's weird. Yeah, I'm with you. That's why I, I tend to work that way because it's hard for me when I build a prototype and I'm sitting there and I have it in front of me and I'm trying to test it, but it's, I have to really struggle to see this triangle as being a cow yeah. you know, or, or this, this, uh, this squiggle line I made is supposed to be a horse. It's like, <laughs> I, I have a much better time of, of just coming up with the thematic concept and then trying to pick my favorite mechanisms that will, you know, be best to represent it. So yeah. but either way. I know designers work in all different ways. Yeah, I love hearing all the different little nuances. You know, there's similarities, but there's always people always do something just a little bit differently. Do it, do it their own way. Yep. Well, uh, I think that'll do it. So why don't you go ahead and plug your stuff? Yeah. Uh, thanks. I, I, yeah, absolutely. I, um, so I'm on Twitter at Dark Doll Games. Uh, you can also go to darkdollgames.com where mostly what's there is just information about Witchbound. Uh, and then Witchbound is, of course, up on GameFound right now. Uh, you can get there from my Twitter. You can get there from the Dark Doll Games site. Uh, and, yeah, that's that's really where I'm at for now. I don't. I have a Discord, um, Dark Doll Dormitory, I think it's called, and uh, that is also linked on my Twitter. Uh, and so I did just jump on Facebook recently. I tried to avoid it most of my life, but I had to <laughs> had to crumble and, and give in. So uh, I am on Facebook, uh, Thatcher Cohen, Dark Talk Games. Um, but yeah, my main presence is on Twitter. And from there, you can kind of find all the stuff I'm working on. So, But thank you so much for having me. This was a little impromptu, but I love it. It was fun. Um, and I hope that I was at least a somewhat satisfactory guest. <laughs> You did great. Yeah, I was really fun. I had a lot of fun chatting with you and going off on little tangents and learning about the game and, and everything. So you were a great guest. Thanks so much for coming on. Uh, yeah. And then thanks for having me. Yeah. We'll we'll keep an eye out on uh, when when this when this comes out. I'll definitely share it uh, on the episode when this comes out, like when uh, when it's coming to GameFound. So. Um, OK, yeah. Awesome. Uh, yeah. January 24th is the launch date as of now i don't see that changing unless some something happens but yeah so january 24th uh 2023 game found 
Perfect. And uh, hopefully, yeah, hopefully yeah. it'll do well. Go follow now because there's a reward, right? Like a there is a there's a gift. Thing. It's actually gift. it's a thematic uh, exclusive quest, um, kind of themed around the concept of following. So yeah, it's a free uh, free add on quest uh, for the game, and all you gotta do is follow, and then follow you know join the campaign when it goes live, and you'll get a little extra something. <laughs> That's awesome. That's really exciting. Uh, well, for me, you can follow me at Riled Nerd on Twitter or most social medias, but Twitter's where I'm most active. And then if you enjoy the show, rate, review it, share it with people. And then that's that's really all I got. So until next time, keep nerding out. Uh, easily one of my most fond memories of board gaming is actually goes back to one of my original or my original experience with the uh, World of Warcraft board game is uh, my brother and I were very different growing up. He was super into video games. I was very outdoorsy. Um, and so we never really spent much time together. But I brought, he was really into World of Warcraft. I just started to dabble in it uh, through his um, uh, his nagging. And so when I brought home that World of Warcraft board game, he was as shocked as I was that it existed. And so I read the rules and I figured out how to play it. And after nagging him for a while, he had finally agreed to play it with me. And so we sat down and we kind of played it two player for about an hour. And he was, he was kind of into it. Uh, and, and so I thought that'd be the end of it. Uh, I didn't have a gaming group or anything. I was young. Uh, and most of my friends were kind of into what I was into, uh, more outdoorsy stuff. Um, but my brother had asked me a couple weeks later if I wanted to give that game another shot because he wanted to try something. And so we sat down and, and he invited one of his friends over and I had one of my friends and, so we sat down for a four-player game, and we played for hours, and we had so much fun playing it. Uh, it actually kind of sparked something uh, there with, with my brother, and uh, now, even today, whenever I come up with a new board game design, he's still very much into video games, and we're still very different. We don't even live near each other, but when I come up with a new board game and stuff, he always is a bit interested in it. He wants to he tends to reference it towards the World of Warcraft board game, but uh, it, it actually brought us a little closer together. Um, we talk about games more often. Um, I even sometimes feign interest in some of the, the video games that he's playing, even if I'm not really, but it, it did help to, it was, it was sort of a common interest that we both developed at the same time. I took it a lot further than he did, but we still, like I said too today, um, kind of bond over board games whenever we get together and stuff so yeah that was a great memory for me